the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jared Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday morning. It is January 27th. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz, and joining me today and every other wonderful day that we record this tremendous podcast, it's my co-host, Joseph Nardone. Joe, are you excited that the Juggalos are back? Uh, thrilled million juggalo march in Washington. Amazing. Are you on your way? Because I already got dolled up. I mean, like, I know we want to talk about all the bad things that has happened to America since Trump's taken over, but like, maybe send the guy a thank you note for this one. No, seriously, like, it's already like a circus down there, and what good's a circus without a bunch of clowns? Not just clowns, okay, juggalos. L- let me be clear. I don't know anything about juggalos. I'm not even a fan of juggalos. Outside of whoop whoop. That's how we know about juggalos. That, that they were in the WWF 20 years ago or so, um, that's it. And that uh, Eminem rapped about them one time, I think. Uh, I'll take your word for it because I'm not too sure. I can't name them. There's Crazy Cat and uh, Pussy the Boots. You know, are, were those made up or are those your own names? <laughs> See, exactly. <laughs> I don't I'm know. just going to leave the, it there like that. I'm the one that said I don't know. It would surprise me if you went through a big juggalo phase when you were, like, high school age. Uh, no, I was a huge uh, Nas fan. Like, huge, huge Nas yeah. fan in high school. Yeah, I was a pretty in the rap. I also like Petey Pablo a lot. You like Petey Pablo a lot, says you and only you. That's cool, man. Oh, uh, like, it, nobody was, you know, whatever with the helicopter. Yeah, school. everybody was taking their shirt off and twisting around their head like a helicopter I was in, North skinny, Car- I, in North Carolina. I was skinny in high school, so of course I did that. Awesome. We're starting the show off with nonsense, <laughs> and we will continue into more nonsense. Put on the poll. Do you know who Petey Pablo is? I'm Actually, I don't know if people know who Petey Pablo also, is. Also, a huge rap fan of, and this one's embarrassing, Sea Murder. That's not that bad. At least C-Murder had, like, that whole phase where he was uh, Cash Money, right? Or was it, was it Cash no, Money? No, he, he was uh, Whatchamacall's cousin, uh, Master P. Master P, Master P, right. Master P was not Cash Money. He was No, no Limit, my, my bad. So he was with Silk the Shocker and all those other clowns. He's right. in the pokey or dead. I can't remember which one. I think he's in jail. I think he's alive still. Put it on the poll. Is C-Murder alive? <laughs> Two poll right. questions. Three minutes into the show. I was transitioning out of nonsense into more nonsense. Joe, the All-Star Reserves were announced last night. Do you care? I'll say Embiid not getting in? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And even, you know what, Like you kind of have to understand to extend to him not getting in. Uh, last night I recorded the, the, the Fan Reg NBA podcast with Jeff Barrest and Trenton Jocks and Jeff is a Sixers fan, so he was pretty distraught over it. But what can you do? I mean, the guys played like half of the minutes that Paul Millsaps played, and I guess that matters to coaches. But anyway, I, I said we weren't going to talk about all-star reserves because I really don't care that much. Joe, just verify for me. Do you care? I care about this as much as I care about something I don't care about. Couldn't think of Good an talk. analogy. Yeah, yeah, I, I had a feeling that was going to happen. I I saw you coming up short on that one from a mile away. <laughs> That, that was bad. I could care about that as much as I care about coming up with good analogies. There he is. All right, so what we're going to talk about is actually a couple days old, but it's really sent the NBA into a tizzy. Ooh. And that's, yeah. I like that's tizzies. Le- that's LeBron. <laughs> but what did you just say? What did I like, like tizzies. One more time. No, that's that's LeBron James complaining uh, on, on Monday night after his team suffered an embarrassing loss to an Anthony Davis-less New Orleans Pelicans team. Terrence Jones just went nuts in that game. 
Kyrie Irving also went nuts in that game. He dropped 49 points, but we're talking about something that's three or four days old at this point, so we don't really need to get too deep into that. What really matters here is LeBron went on a tirade after the game that sent the NBA into a tizzy. <laughs> Jeez, we, we need to grow up. We're worse than Dwight Howard right now. I don't know if you saw that video. That, that was really bad. Dwight and Dennis Schroeder being interviewed after their win on Wednesday, and they kept talking about the D and giggling. Anyway, I digress. LeBron James complains after his loss that he needs help. Let me find a real quote for you, so it's not just he needs help. Yeah, we won the title, but blank, you know what? Let's see if we could do something. We need a blanking playmaker. I'm not saying you can just go find one, like you can go outside and see trees. I didn't say that. And that's LeBron's quote, but he's saying it's like when you don't have bodies, it's tough. The blanking grind of the regular season, James added. We're a top-heavy team. We have a top-heavy team. We top-heavy as blank. It, it me, Irving, Kevin Love, it's top-heavy Spurs got bodies. They've got bodies. It, it sounds like you're reading song lyrics after a while. Anyway, Le- LeBron complained that they don't have help, which brings up the huge question. What can the Cavs actually do to get LeBron help? I mean, they just traded for Kyle Korver, I don't know, a month ago, I guess, at this point. Not even. What, 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 yeah, what, what's, the missing, what's the missing piece for them here? I mean, you look at I their think, weakness. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You look at their weaknesses, and LeBron says we need a playmaker, which makes you think, do you guys need another point guard? And, you know, you, you just you look at their roster and you look at the team that won a championship. And, you know, that, that team had Kyrie, J.R. Smith, and LeBron as essentially its backcourt players and its ball handlers. Clearly, J.R. Smith's out. You brought in Kyle Korver to, to step in for him. Uh, I'm still waiting on, on the Jordan McRae show to happen. He, he's going to be a big guy for them. But, you know, they went into the season. They let Matthew Dellavedova go. They they thought they were going to have Mo Williams back. They don't have either of those guys on this team. What can this What can this team do? Like who can they add? The, the The first guys that were tossed out as players the Cavs are looking at were Jameer Nelson, Darren Williams, and there was another guy in that tier of player. But you know, kind of older backup point guards who can't really carry a load, but can feasibly play a role off the bench for them. Joe, what do you, What do you think the Cavs can realistically do here if they could do anything? I know. I think when he's saying playmaker, I think he just says, like, hey, I'm leading the league in minutes and I'm old. Can we get somebody to take some of my minutes? That's what I think he means. That's a good take. I mean, it it makes sense. They they were tired. I think at that time they had lost five out of seven games or so. Yeah, and I think, like, I think he realizes, like, he's not going to be able to trade bad players for good pieces. I think he's just like, can we make a move so I'm not leading the league in minutes? Like, I think that's basically what he's saying. And... I'm also under the assumption, because he's not really, like, he did a little bit in Miami, I guess, but he's not huge on the public calling out of people. So I'm assuming, like, there's more to it than this. Like, maybe he wanted to keep Delhi, or, like, not this year, but the year prior when they could have got him cheaper. I think the it would have been, like, $4 million a year to keep him two years ago. Um, or something along those. Like, maybe it's a, a series of things. Because he, he also lost a lot of power. Because instead of doing those one-on-one deals, he signed a two-year contract. So now he actually has no real power. Do you know what I mean? Where every year it was like, hey, do this for me or I'll bounce. Now they Dan Gilbert could be like, hey, man, you're stuck here another year regardless. Eat it. He's And Dan Gilbert's also over the luxury tax a bazillion dollars. So I don't really know what else they could do outside of moving pieces that are already playing minutes for similar pieces that are playing minutes that are, are that will just take those minutes. Like they're not going to be able to get measurably better with what they could trade. 
And even the way they're currently constructed, I mean, they still have the best record in the Eastern Conference, and that's with the Raptors having an offensively, like, historically great season. They're they're still pacing, you know, the the East and looking like a, a favorite to get to the finals. This could just be their regular January struggles where, you know, it's the dog days of the NBA and they, they have tired legs, they have a couple of injuries, you know, LeBron's getting tired. And, and cranky and complaining about it. They actually they lost to the Sacramento Kings last night too, and the Kings owned them on Twitter about it, which was pretty funny. I'm sorry, that that was two nights ago. Um, it's just it's it's so weird. And I think the most fascinating thing out of all of this is what's transpired around the league in terms of potential trade options for Cleveland, but also these turning into guys who could feasibly get traded if not to Cleveland. And of course, the first person that would come to mind with what I'm talking about is Carmelo Anthony. And listen, you know we're we're not going to get into the Knicks too much again, but for the first time now, it looks more likely that Melo could waive his no-trade clause, but not even go to Cleveland, because what is Cleveland going to give up to bring back Carmelo Anthony, and why would they? Why would they give up Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony? That's just not an upgrade for them. You know, you had this whole funky story transpire about Melo saying he thinks LeBron would want to play with him, but now is not the time. Like, what does that even mean? Why are we even having these conversations? It's just so... It's so funny how when LeBron speaks, the rest of the league reacts. And I just look at the Cavs and their situation, and as you mentioned, they're over the luxury tax horribly. Like, I think they're, they're the second highest luxury tax team in NBA history right now after the, the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce uh, Nets from a couple years ago. I think that I don't think there's anything that they can realistically do here, Joe. They traded draft picks over the last few years to get Mozgovs and Shumperts and J.R. Smiths. They don't have the assets. They don't have young players they could trade. And you're not upgrading if you trade Kevin Love, which, why would they trade Kevin Love? He, he's hit stride with them. He's been awesome for them. I, I can't see them doing anything here. The only thing I could possibly see them doing, um, you make all the other points. Um, the me- Thank you. Um, the mess that's going on in Chicago, Wade could be a free agent at the end of the year. They might blow up ship. So get rid of Wade. Get whatever. They don't even have to be good parts. Do you know what I mean? Just get rid of so you can tank properly. And yeah, I mean uh, that, that makes that makes sense for Chicago if if Cleveland can give up you know something of equal monetary value to bring it back. Well, yeah, I the problem with that though is you're probably going to have to give up two guys that get minutes, and you're not really solving the problem. You're getting a name guy back, and that might actually make LeBron happy because you know him and Dwayne are friends. Um, but that actually doesn't make you a better basketball team. Yeah, I don't think so either. We'll actually we'll talk a little bit more about Dwayne Wade. But I do think that's I, I I do think that would appease LeBron, and I think that's kind of the the goal here. If you're Dan Gilbert, is to appease him. Well, that that's kind of the other aspect to this. I mean, obviously the answer is yes to extents, but does Dan Gilbert even have to go out to to please LeBron again? Does David Griffin have to make a big splash to to make LeBron happy? I mean. I, I'm not by any means calling LeBron spoiled or, or anything along those lines here, but you just look at the moves they've made. You look at the contracts they've given out. I mean, they've also paid Amon Shumpert and Tristan Thompson beyond their value feasibly over these last couple of off seasons to keep LeBron happy. Just, when is enough enough, especially considering this team's lack of financial flexibility moving forward? Like, if they don't do anything, you mentioned LeBron can't bolt after this year if he's unhappy. But does Cleveland have to do something to keep LeBron happy here? Um, have to, no. But I don't mind LeBron flexing his muscles as much as he could. If I'm Dan Gilbert, I got you. Got to be kind of self-aware and go life with LeBron the first time, life LeBron LeBron gone, which was horrible. 
and now LeBron went back. What what like like what is the value of Cleveland, the Cavaliers franchise is with LeBron attached to it? Because long term, you don't want that relationship to be iffy. Do you know what I mean? You don't want LeBron going somewhere else for the last two or three years of his career and then not really being ever considered a Cleveland Cavaliers guy. Maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think there is a, I mean, like, it's, LeBron James is more important to the Cleveland Cavaliers than the owner. <laughs> ah, a lot of words there. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think you do kind of have to just eat it. And... If you're is Dan it, Gilbert. Yeah, and I think I think it's kind of ironic because Gilbert's the one that, like, really advocated really strong for the luxury tap, tax being as strict and severe as it is. So, uh, yeah, man, good for LeBron for, I guess, like, you know, like, he, like I mean, there should be sour grapes between the two, at least from LeBron's end. And uh, yeah. so I totally get it from his end, be like, hey, overpay all these dudes or I'm leaving. Now I, do, I would understand if Dan Gilbert's like, hey, man, no. Like, you're already in contract for another year after this. Deal with it. Now the issue is the year after the next, does he leave? Um, But deal with that then, because this happens every January. Just ride ride out this wave, because you're not going to get measurably better no matter what you do at this point. Yeah, I I just don't see how they get much better. And, I mean, that's part a good thing for Cleveland, because they're already relatively amazing for their conference and for the NBA. I mean, they're... They're not as good statistically this season as they were last season, but you know you keep in mind that you don't have J.R. Smith, and you keep in mind the championship hangover to extents, as well as the fact that they can turn it on late in the season and be fine. They don't need to be playing 100% for 82 games and then get into the playoffs. Like This team's going to go through their, their midseason squabbles or whatever, and you kind of see that every season with most LeBron James teams, especially recently. Just, you know, you, you kind of have to be able to frame this whether this is really a problem for the Cavs or this is just you know LeBron being cranky after a bad loss and I kind of look at it a little bit more as the latter than the former I mean listen this team clearly does have some issues but I think at full strength they're head and shoulders still above the rest of the Eastern Conference totally with you totally with you all right so let's let's keep that idea in mind looking at the competition around LeBron and in the NBA right now and we're going to switch up our show structure. Ooh. I would like to do our AMA next, Joe. So call Seal. Tell him to hit the music. Hey, Seal. Alright, so this week we actually only have one AMA, and we got it a different avenue. This was from a fan of the program and a friend of mine. My buddy Tanoy shoots me a text earlier this week and says, AMA, if you could take a previous person from an NBA franchise's history and place them on this year's team, who would you choose? And I actually, I think that's a really fun question, and I think it, it kind of bounces off the conversation we were just having where it's like, well, LeBron doesn't have any competition around him in the East, so my mind kind of went to who can we add in the East to a team to make them better. What, what do you think, Joe? Oh, I thought you were going to go, I want Craig Elo on I, the Cavs. I, I can keep going. If, if you'd like me to keep going, I, I would. No, I thought you were going to go Craig Elo on the Cavs. Uh, I mean, that, that makes the most well, sense. Well, dude, like, selfishly, I, like, I'd want to see Eddie Jones play basketball again. So I'd be like Eddie Jones on the Lakers or Eddie Jones on the Heat or Eddie Jones on the, Hor- Eddie Jones on the Hornets. Man, that'd actually work. Um, 
that that might work. Uh, this is a great question. Um, chat. Like, are we getting the prime version of these people or the prime version of these people at when they were at that location? Uh, I guess prime at location. Like, you okay. can't be like you can't be like give me Lakers Shaq on the Magic, okay. even though you might have been better with the Magic. I don't even know. Like Lakers Shaq on the on the Lakers on yeah. the Celtics. Well, no, he played for the Celtics. Right. No, you're you're not doing that. I mean, okay. like the prime uh, version of them on the team that they were playing for. Hmm. Man, I could go so many. Chris Mullen on the Warriors, get another shooter there for no reason. Oh, my gosh, uh, yeah. Chris Mullen is the eighth man. Coming he, from right? He would be the eighth man. Patrick McCaw or something, yeah. Uh, get uh, get Larry Bird to Boston, get some scorers there. He, uh, he was one of my choices. Larry Bird was the first person that I thought of, actually. Uh, man, there's so many. Like, man, we I should have done this beforehand. We should have picked one for every team. Yeah, that that could have been fun and doable too. One of my other prevalent ones, I was I was actually thinking before. And Dirk Nowitzki for the Mavericks. No, we shouldn't do active guys. Uh, one of my Dirk play next to old man Dirk. Yeah, that that'd be a lot of fun. One of my first thoughts was actually uh, Hakeem Olajuwon bringing back Hakeem to Houston. Could you imagine if that team had him on it? I mean. Shout out to Clint Capella as well as Montreal Harrell. Those guys have been fine. But if you get, like, prime Hakeem on Houston, they might be, like, 75-win team this year. Him with D'Antoni, Hakeem Olajuwon shooting five threes a game. Could you imagine? That would No, that that's really works. Oddly, I don't know why this happened. Because it doesn't work at all. But Theo Ratliff with the Sixers. <laughs> that's the one you pick with the Sixers? You don't it's pick not, Dr. J or Barkley or Moses? You well, it's definitely not Theo AI. Ratliff? It's definitely not AI because he doesn't fit. AI it, was actually the one that my buddy texted back to me when, when he asked me this question. He was like, yo, AI on the Sixers. Because him and Embiid together, I would watch 85 games of that if I could. Ask Samuel Dalbert how it is playing with Allen Iverson as a big man. Right. Yeah. Not Theo, great. Theo Ratliff as well. Dikembe Mutombo as well. I like the way you're thinking, though, because I'm a big Theo Ratliff fan. Eric Snow, Sixers. I love huh. those. I, you know what's weird? Those old Sixers teams, like, everybody loved AI. I loved everybody else. Like, I like AI, but... I was but, a big Rajah Bell fan, actually. Oh, so was I. I was a huge Rajah Bell fan. I love Rajah Bell. I, like I love Rajah Bell now. Do you know what I mean? I like that you took this fantasy question and immediately turned it into role players that no one knew <laughs> was going to give a crap about. Yeah, let's get Eric Snow back. We can revive any player's career ever. We can get Wilt Chamberlain back in the NBA, but you want Eric Snow. Like, I would love to see Kareem back with Milwaukee or something. Ooh, like, think, oh, think, wow. That would be amazing. I'm sorry. Lou Alcindor back with Milwaukee. Like, think of good fits. That would actually elevate it. Oh, I'm trying to, but my mind, like, seriously, this is a but my really... my mind just goes Eric Snow and Eddie <laughs> No, listen... Well, because you're, you're going to go to a place of nostalgia with this question, and the question is great. And I want to say, like, every player I ever liked ever, and a lot of the players I like are kind of stupid. I know. Do you know I, what I mean? Like, like, I can't be the only person who likes odd players. Like, my favorite players were never the superstar. It was always Eddie Jones. It was always – and Eddie Jones was really, really good, though. Like, he like was. It was, it was always weird guys like Raja Bell. Like, Raja Bell, like, I had – when you said his name, my face just – ejaculated on itself. <laughs> you ejaculated on your face. Sounds good. I have two Chris Duhon jerseys in my closet, as well as a Jerome Williams Knicks jersey. So I, I get it, but I still am thinking I want some fun guys. Like I, I imagine I was asked the question with the thought that I was going to say put Ewing on the Knicks, but I wouldn't want Ewing to get dragged in this mess with those losers. Oh, yeah, you want LeVar Postel on the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, hey, sure. <laughs> he, was, he was a Knicks, so I guess it works. Put Frederick Weiss on the Knicks. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think I've given enough answers. I think Larry Bird and Hakeem Olajuwon were really like the two guys that I thought of that were like really good picks that would make things very interesting this season. Can well, you think of one good one that like shifts power in the NBA, Joe? Baron Davis to the Clippers? Yeah, sure. No, seriously, off the bench, it adds huge depth that takes minutes away from Austin Rivers. Nope. Prime Baron Davis on the Clippers? Yeah. I love Prime Baron Davis. That's one of my favorite players ever. So I, do you think Baron? Da- I, do you think Baron Davis was better when he wasn't on the Clippers, though? Because I kind of do. Yeah, I mean, he was awesome on the Hornets. That was his. He doesn't that- fit on the Hornets, though. He's a Kemba. Oh, yeah, but he fits on the Clippers, who have Chris Paul. But he could. Okay, who's their backup now to Chris Paul? I mean, they have Austin Rivers. Right. And so now you're upgrading from Austin Rivers to pri- like really good Baron Davis. And the Hornets' backup point guard is. <laughs> but the Hornets are so far. The Clippers are closer. Sure. Yeah, I, I guess. But I, I figure you look at the Eastern Conference. Maybe that's what we need to do. Get, like, Grandma Ma back on the Hornets or something. Shut the Hornets to the Sonics. Boo. Boo <laughs> Sonics. Just put the Sonics back, and we'll be okay with this nostalgia thing. Well, this is our second Sonics joke in, like, two episodes. Yeah, I mean. You really with- hate Seattle, man. What do I hate, Seattle? You're the one that brought them up. I wish they had a team. I'm begging for them to have a basketball team. What would you rather? Where in New York do you live? How far away from the Garden? Uh, In terms of what? Driving, walking, subway? I can can get to Penn Station in a 15-minute train ride, which is where Madison Square Garden. That's close. If you gave me, that's really close for you. I'm like two hours and 25 minutes away from the Garden, which is, I believe, the closest NBA arena to me. Um... I would rather a NBA team in Wilkes-Barre than I would in Seattle. So were you going to ask me if I'd rather an NBA team in my backyard? <laughs> Pretty much, or- yeah. Like I, I don't know. Like I thought maybe the Garden I would would- take that. Give me a new NBA team. Get rid of the Knicks. That's fine. I would take that. No, but I, I think, I don't know. I mean, at this point, you know, we romanticize over the Sonics, and I think we feel bad because I think basketball culture in Seattle is really great, and it's a good basketball area. I've met a bunch of people over the years that are from that area, so I do feel bad for them. But and Oklahoma they, City's turned out to be a very good basketball town. Yeah, no, no, it definitely has. Just the whole way everything went down and, you know, the Sonics it's had It's going history. down. It's not, it's, it's not like the Sonics were named, you know, a, a dreadful NBA organization or something. They they had a rich history. They were they were a good team in a good city. There were a lot of good reasons. I don't know why we're having this conversation, but... Who's yeah, your favorite but, Seattle Superhonic of all time? Superhonic? Um, Did I say Superhonic? You did. You dropped the H there. I like. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry for making fun of you today, Joe. I mean that. Let That's me fine. I'll wait. Made, I'll wait for I've you made, to mess up when you call yourself Jared later. I've made fun <laughs> of your speaking like three times, and it's not fair of me. Uh, my favorite Seattle Supersonic ever. That that's a tough one. Um, I mean, Vlad Rad had Vladimir Radmanovich had dreads with like twisties when he played for that team, so it's hard to not say him. Obviously, everybody loves Detlef. How do you not love Detlef Shrimp? But really, my, my favorite Seattle Supersonic ever, I mean, I, I hate to pick, like, one of the, the key token answers, but it's got to be Gary Payton, no? Yeah, that was mine as well. Even though I hate him now that he's retired. Uh, it I was, actually it was, like him. Do you? I think yeah, he I, comes off as grumpy, I hate millennials, Gary Payton. He does, but I, I think, like, 10 years ago when NBA TV was still, like, relatively newish or so, him and Sean Kemp, or not Sean Kemp, him and Chris Webber, as like the backup commentators, I thought Jerry they were... Breaking News. Remember Larry Sanders? Yeah. He wants to come back to the NBA. Just oh, wow. announced it on Twitter. Cool, man. Cool, cool, cool. He was good. We'll see how that goes, Joe. He's going to Cleveland. Be... 
<laughs> there it is. LeBron, you got your guy all, all in the first 25 minutes of our podcast. Um, get Royce yeah. White next. Yeah. All right, Joe, let, let's move on. And uh, I think we have some that don't look good to do. So, Seal, you're back to work. Hit the music. Make that money, Seal. It might not be a fault, but maybe it is. Yeah, it's so good. That don't look good. All right, so we actually have two that don't look good. Do we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> do that, don't look I keep forgetting that Jared produces the show, and I just show up. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, our first one, we'll, we'll stay with the team in the NBA, and we're going to go to Chicago. Joe, you were bringing up Dwayne Wade before, and uh, who knows? Maybe he's talking slash playing his way out of town. Surprisingly, the trio of Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and Rajon Rondo has not worked out well. Rajon Rondo, as you all know, picked up, I don't know, like five DNP coaches' decisions <laughs> earlier this month and has been coming off the bench since as as Chicago goes back and forth between Jerry and Grant and Michael Carter Williams starting at point guard. They're losing a bunch of games, but God bless you. Somebody they, better. Suffered, they suffered a bad loss on Wednesday night to the Atlanta Hawks. They were up ten points with three minutes left in that game. After the game, both Wade and Butler, and not even after the game, towards the end, you could see they were frustrated. You could see them giving less effort. Dwayne Wade wasn't getting back on defense and it, God bless you. Stop it. Don't, don't. It comes in threes, man. Another's going to come. <laughs> Ejaculate on your face. You uh, so both, both Wade and Butler made comments to the media Wednesday night after the game. Dwayne Wade says, Dwayne Wade says, I don't know what happened, but we continue to be in these kinds of situations and lose games like this. Everyone don't care enough. You got to care enough, man. It's got to mean that much to you to want to win, and it doesn't, so I don't know what happened. He said he doesn't know how to fix it. He said he doesn't know how to get the guys around him to want to win games. Pretty much called everybody in the locker room out, and Jimmy Butler kind of stood by him, and he he also said he doesn't think the guys want to win that much, which kind of feels weird to say. He said, MFers just got to care if we win or lose. At the end of the day, do whatever it takes to help the team win. You play your role to the T, be a star in your role, man. That's how you win in this league. You have to embrace what this team, what this organization needs for you to do on either end of the floor. <coughs> Excuse me. They weren't happy. There was a gift going around on Thursday of uh, Jimmy Butler seeming perplexed by by a command from his coach, Fred Hoiberg. Uh, it looked like he turned that request down. And just the, the state of the Bulls is pretty bad right now. And it was only made worse, I would imagine, by Rajon Rondo taking to Instagram on Thursday evening, Rondo goes on Instagram and says he posts a picture of Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and him all slapping fives in Celtics jerseys and says, my vets would never go to the media. They would come to the team. My vets didn't pick and choose when they wanted to bring it. They brought it every time they stepped in the gym, whether it was practice or a game. They didn't take days off. My vets didn't care about their numbers. My vets played for the team. When we lost, they wouldn't blame us. They took responsibility and got in the gym. They showed the young guys what it meant to work. Even in Boston, when we had the best record. Oh, you're not reading this whole thing, are you? I guess I am. Just say he subbed everybody. All right, it's a lot longer. So he essentially clapped back at Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade. You should have stopped me earlier there, man. I would have kept going. Uh, But but Rondo, Rondo of all people who, you know, was known to kind of be a coach killer, or not necessarily coach killer because I don't think he got anybody fired, but known to be a guy who was hard to, to get to buy in, who cares about his numbers and is a stat patter, who, you know, is has become a me-first player 
since that Boston Celtics, you know, dynasty kind of faded away. Rondo is the one that's calling out Wade and Butler for what they're saying and their behavior towards the end of the game. And it's just like, you know, things are wrong when Rajon Rondo is calling you out for your approach to the game. And it's interesting. It just, it shows how dysfunctional things are here, but Joe, who who do you think is most in the wrong here? Do you think it's Rondo? Is it Wade? Is it Butler? Is it your boy Hoiberg? What's going on? Whoa, with- how did Fred get blamed for this? Um, listen, the way you phrase the question is perfect. Who's most in the wrong? Because nobody's in the right. Um, man, what? Did, all right, first, of all, what did Dwayne Wade think was happening when he joined Chicago? Seriously, it was. It seemed like when a couple breaks up, and you're like, "I'm going to bang this guy and see what happens." And it's like, "No, oh, you're banging this guy for two years. You signed a contract to, to stay with this person. You can't get out of this. You're not going to win here. This is a bad look." Regardless of how attractive of a person this this person is, this is not good for your brand, your career, or anything. This is a bad decision, and Dwayne Wade did it. Yep, and uh, Jimmy Butler, good player. Uh, he doesn't take orders well, and he's – does he want Tom Thibodeau back? Like, I don't get what's going on with him. And Rajon Rondo, I actually get where he's coming from, even though it's super hypocritical. Um, because he's not exactly the dude that does it the right way, I guess. But, uh, yeah, time to blow up Chicago. The team, yeah. not the city. Whoa, looking like you're uh, supporting our pure Whoa. president. I'm there. not saying that at all. Juggle March. <laughs> all right, too political. Yeah, I mean. 2015, we thought Bernie Sanders was too too liberal. 2017, we need the Juggalos to stop fascism. Yeah, you nailed it there. Back, back to I saw that. I saw that tweet on Twitter. I stole it. It's not me. Whoa, at least you came clean here. Back I don't know basketball. who it was, though. I'm not giving credit. Would you shut up already? Back no, to basketball. Nobody cares about basketball. They want me to tell Nobody you cares that. about the juggalo. No, no, people, want, people want to juggalo hot takes about no, icy, no. icy clown kitty cat and pussyfoot's musk boots. Yeah, that must really be their names because you remembered them. So I don't know what to do about that. But let's <laughs> let's let's wrap this up. Their names. I, that sounded the same. I don't know. I don't care. Let's wrap this up. The Bulls just going into the offseason, they were another one of these teams that it was like, you should be rebuilding. You don't have the pieces to win. And they let Pau Gasol go, and they traded Derrick Rose, and it's like, all right, you're, you're finally getting it. You know, you, you might have to suck it up for a couple years and build around Jimmy Butler, but at least Jimmy Butler is the type of player you can build around. And instead, they go out and they get these other two ball-dominant guards. I mean, you and I talked about this on the podcast last summer. It was a terrible idea. And it's blowing up in their faces. And, I mean, we made such a big deal out of them getting off to a hot start because no one would have predicted they would have gotten off to that start except for Rondo, Butler, and Wade. And here we are, and they stink, and it's time to blow it up. Do you, can you see them actually moving any of these guys, Joe? I mean, strangely enough, Jimmy Butler is the only player that's been mentioned as, as a potential guy that they trade, and he's clearly the best player on the team and feasibly a top 10 to 15 NBA player this season. Do you, do you think they blow it up, or what, what do you think happens here? I, I feel like they have to blow it up. I think they have to. I think it comes down to how bad are they feel like they're allowed to get ripped off, because they're going to get ripped off in the market. It's just how much are they willing to let themselves get ripped off with. It's going to be a pride thing, where their front office is going to be like, hey, like we know we're not going to get market value for any of these dudes. We need to be okay with that, and be fine with the public bashing us for it. Because you're just not going to get market value for anybody. Even though the market value for well, what's yeah, what's market value for any of these guys? Are Rondo or Wade? No, I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying in general. Like, if you have to eat a one year salary for Rondo and only get a second round pick, and the players like bum McGoo 
and it's a second round pick, you just have to be like, okay, that's the best we could get. Even though everybody would kill him for it. You got Bum McGoon as second rounder for round, even though everybody knows Rondo stinks. You just have to eat it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right, actually. I think you hit the nail on the head there. All right, Joe, our second that don't, go, that don't look good. There's your opportunity. Make fun of me for tripping on my words. No, Already I'm a bigger a cool person than you, Jared. I don't do those things. Oh, you're, you're bigger than me? What the what, what the hell? All right, Joe, we're going to go Both to the... Both in humility Stop and it. in... Stop okay, it. all right. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. All right, we're going to go to the college hardwood here. Speaking Whoa. Of, <laughs> Oh, what a dirty show this turned out to be. We are no better than Dwight Howard, Joe. We're terrible. But we're going to go to college basketball here where a second that don't look good is taking place in Durham, North Carolina, which is where the Duke Blue Devils play their basketball games. Report came out today that Coach Mike Krzyzewski, who is on medical leave from the team right now, has been a bit of a jerk meeting with <laughs> meeting with his players and banning them banning them from the locker room. Joe, this is the first time that Coach K has done this, being frustrated with with his team, that, again, he's not coaching. Jeff Capel's coaching. Duke's lost three of their last four games. Most recently, they lost Monday night to North Carolina State. They're clearly in trouble, and the, their coach, who, again, is on medical absence, is clearly upset with this. Joe, tell me why this doesn't look good to you. Um, he used the word, according to the report, he used the words, this is unacceptable, unacceptable to Duke's standards. But what was acceptable... Just in this vacuum was waiting till the backlash was too harsh on Grayson Allen to cause an indefinite suspension. Basically, what he's saying is he doesn't like to lose. That's the standard at Duke, which is fine, by the way. Just don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't go on the, don't go to Dylan Brooks after a tournament game and say, "Hey, man, don't celebrate like that. It's not the right way to do it." Don't go say, "Hey, like I'm going to do my punishment to Grayson Allen behind closed doors because I'm a leader of men and I don't care what you think." What all you care about is winning. Right, because that was the standard. If that's the standard for not having being allowed in the Luke locker room and wearing Duke uniforms and all that other nonsense, then fine, whatever. I don't. I think Coach Tay is an indignant and a hypocrite, and I think this continues to show that that's what he is. And and I like how the players had to go to his house to get their butt chewed out. Let Jeff Capel coach the team, man. You're you're actually undermining him. I know you're the head coach, but you're on medical leave. Let Jeff Capel do his thing. Let tell Jeff Capel that's what he has to do, and let Jeff Capel do it. Yeah, that that's actually a fair point. It is it is undermining to Jeff Capel, who kind of had a, a surprising quote about it on Thursday. He said, "You really can't speak on it. It's disappointing when stuff that's supposed to stay in the locker room gets out." So he almost seems more frustrated that this became news than the fact that this is actually happening. And again, this isn't the first time that, that Coach K has done this to his team when they haven't played well. I've heard J.J. Redick talk about it on his podcast before, that K kind of takes away you know, your, your jersey and he doesn't let you practice or whatever until I don't know what gets resolved. I, just, I think about this and I think of Coach Carter when he locks the gym and doesn't let them practice until they start getting better grades. But clearly the problem for Duke is on the basketball court. So how do you get better when you don't have access to playing? And like... What if he doesn't give them their jerseys back by Saturday when they're playing Wake Forest? Are they going to play in, like... They're going to play D-O-O-K jerseys. Right, they're all going to have, like, black t-shirts with and be number zero? Like, how does that work? I just, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of ridiculous, and, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be what it is that, that gives this team a spark, but it just doesn't seem like like a lack of motivation is why Duke has been struggling this year. And good. I kind of... This is not that good. It no, happens. That, that's, that, that's fair of you, and, I mean... 
I kind of hate, I resent that we've been talking Duke almost every episode, and we're not really going further into college basketball stuff. But when Duke loses, it, it's news, and the way they've been losing, and now this happening with Coach K, who again can't even walk that we know of because he just had you know his surgery or whatever. It, it's just it's it's a weird story, and it's putting Coach K in the middle of something where he doesn't need to be in the middle of it. If there's anything that he should be in the middle of it, why aren't his players playing better together? Why does it seem like there's no chemistry between these guys? And wh- what's going on with the Duke culture that you have all these top recruits and they're busting. They're not looking good. And, I mean, Jason Tatum's been fine. He- he's been a good player. Luke Kennard has had an amazing season, and he's made good on being a top recruit last year. But you look at other guys on this team and – Harry Giles, you know, you mentioned his draft stock has fallen. He hasn't looked that good. Obviously, he's dealing with injury and other stuff, but Harry Giles hasn't looked good. Marquise Bolden doesn't look like he can even play. Chase Jeter was supposed to be a big recruit for them last year. He's not a player. They lost Derek Thornton after last season. Like, there's problems with this program right now. Um, A ton. There's more to it than this. Like, we could go into the conversation that this actually puts John Calipari in a better light because... He can deal with the egos that come with one-and-done players, and it looks like maybe Duke can't. Because if you want, like, listen, man, this isn't even a hot take. Other people have said this. They don't even look like they like playing with each other, these guys. Yeah. And the best thing you compliment you could ever give Coach K is convincing a bunch of McDonald's All-Americans to be like, hey, you're not going to score more than 15 points a game ever, but it's cool here. Like, you're going to be a part of the team. Like, that was that's his great coaching job at Kentucky is convincing five or six five-star talents per year that you're not going to be the guy. And at Duke, clearly, there's a lot of people that want to be the guy. And they don't seem like they want to play with each other. And listen, that's not just like, I'm not just trying to bury Coach K with this because the assistant coaches could help with that as well. They're just clearly not built to be that kind of program. So maybe they need to be recruiting like a butler and not recruiting the very top prospects in the country. Because you can still be competitive without doing so, but I don't, maybe they're just not equipped to do it. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, and it, it's fair that you brought that up about, you know, John Calipari looking better getting the top town and developing these guys and getting them ready for the NBA draft while winning in college. And you look at some of the guys that Coach K's landed and not been able to have success with, like Kyrie Irving, like Austin Rivers. I mean, not to say those guys didn't become good NBA players, but – the team didn't win with those guys on it. And obviously, you know, the Kyrie Irving season, he was dealing with an injury himself. I think he only played 11 games that year. Same thing with Austin Rivers. He was hurt often, wasn't he? I I don't think he was. I think he was pretty healthy. I just don't think he was the player that, you know, the hype was there for. He was supposed to be like, you know, if he would have came out of high school, if the NBA draft didn't have an age limit, he feasibly was going to be a top five pick, if not like the number one pick in the NBA draft. Right. He came out and he was coming out with guys like Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and other heralded high school prospects at the time. He was one of those top guys. It just didn't work out for him at Duke. And again... You're right. He was healthy. He played 34 min- 33 minutes a game, 34 games. He was healthy. That's my bad. I, I apologize. That's, that's okay, Joe. We all forgive you. Future Nick Austin Rivers. Um, but just just <laughs> looking, at, looking at Duke and, and looking at you know them kind of struggling a little bit more these last two seasons when they've still had these high recruits. It's just it's you're starting to wonder and you're starting to question and uh, this is a bad look for them. Yes. All right, Joe, let's let's move on. We have at least one more topic that we want to discuss today. And I actually I don't have it up in front of me right now because the last two times I tried to open up the window, there was noise coming out of the window that I couldn't yes, figure out. Yes, me as well. Mute. Let me try this. So, so I apologize. But the last thing we wanted to talk about today, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about sports media 
kind of since we started the show. And the big lead yesterday released a 30 most powerful people in sports media list. And I didn't even notice it come out because, you know, I'm no shade. I don't really read the big lead. I don't look for anything that they do. But I noticed that Bomani Jones had uh, tweeted it out and he had a problem with the list. And mainly his problem was that it kind of compared him and Clay Travis just you saying that they work business. opposite ends of, like, the societal spectrum, you know, just, just to put it into layman's terms or, or whatever. But th- this isn't so much about Bomani and Clay Travis as much as it's about the list in general. Again, I, I don't have it up in front I of me. I just tried pulling it up and the music came up as well. The, the issue on the list is two Fox Sports people are in the top three. And how does that work? Right, right. I mean, the big league clearly has t- t- uh, ties to Fox News. I, even that, I mean, I don't even care about that as much as I care about, like, it's possibly valid that these guys are some of the most powerful people in sports. And you know it because on Twitter every day, despite people renouncing these people, they're constantly sharing their opinions. And they're sharing how awful of an opinion this is, or they're arguing with the opinion, where it's just like, well, if that person, what they're saying doesn't matter and it doesn't make sense, maybe we should just ignore it. Like, for years now, instead of being like, oh, my God, first take is so dumb, why would they say that? It's, hey, stop watching first take. Stop paying attention to first take. So if I, if I remember correctly, the top three on this list were, c- counting down, number three, I think, was Cowherd. Number two, I think, was Skip. And number one was Stephen A. Smith, who I'm currently just infuriated with Stephen A. Smith, who returned to New York Radio Airwaves last week. He's on the 1 to 3 o'clock uh, slot, which if you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been complaining about this nonstop. Moved Han and Humpty, who aren't terrible. They're okay. Han and Humpty down to 10, which forces Dan Levitard off of New York ESPN Radio, which to me, obviously, we talk about Levitard and Stugatz on the show all the time. They're about as good as it gets in sports radio to me. So to have them essentially bumped for Stephen A. Smith to come back on the air, who just, again, yells and doesn't make coherent points, bothers me a lot. What, what do you think of those guys, though, being at the top? Like, do you think there's any validity to those three being the three most influential people in sports and Not- the most powerful people in sports? I mean, here's the thing, Joe. We have to remember that sports media isn't necessarily meant for our consumption. And by ours, I mean you and I, and we're people who, you know, I'm not trying to say all we do is sit on Twitter and talk about sports, but we're on Twitter a lot. We're talking about sports a lot. We're writing about sports a lot. We make money to, to write about sports and have sports take. Yeah, we're it's rich. Not, it's, not, yeah, it's not for <laughs> us as much as it's for the people who, and I don't mean to stereotype or anything, but the people who are working in an office and are, you know, listening to this in and out of their ear while they're doing other work. <laughs> or people who are on a construction site, or people who are in their car driving all day. It's for your, your more casual sports fans than it is for us. So with that said, what, what do you think of this list and those three guys who are probably about the biggest gas bags in sports media being the three most powerful voices in sports? All right, so I'm not going to pull punches here. Those three, yeah, are, those three are at the top. Two of them are at the top because of the ties of Fox Sports and the big lead. The third is on the top because the big lead is the embrace debate of blots. All right, that's why those three guys are at the top, because those represent what the big lead is. Second, those guys' reach, do they have big social media following? Sure. I think we forget how small Twitter actually is compared to what viewership on TV actually is. So no, those guys aren't the most powerful people. Yeah, but that's not necessarily true, though, and I, I'm going to let you continue in a second. Richard Deitch, or Deitch, again, I don't know how his last name is Who is also a gas bag. Yeah, to extent, but he covers media. And every and poorly, day he- very poorly, only hits low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that's fair. Every day he tweets out 
Skip Bayless's Undisputed got 81,000 viewers or something like that. And this is somebody who's got like 3 million followers. So he does have great reach, you know, beyond television. Except he doesn't, because if he had that kind of reach, they would go to his television show. If they, cared that, if they cared that much about... Do you know how many people just hate follow him? I, I don't know, Joe, and I, I don't... Well, know I'm that just saying, if, if, you have, if you have 3 million followers on people, but that doesn't even review to, uh, translate to 100,000 views on television, that tells me people don't actually care about you. But people talk about what he says, and I constantly see him No, no, people just complain about what he says, and those people are idiots as well. I'm not going to call anybody an idiot. No, you're an idiot. If you're going to complain about Skip Bayless all day, and then just quote tweet him all day to give him more pub, you're an idiot. I mean, seriously, this is why Donald Trump's our president. Because a bunch of people are idiots. Yeah, um, I don't want to call anybody names here. Listen, people are into what they're into, and some people just... Some people can't get. <laughs> like I'm only gonna Jack call Lowe's. you names. I'm only gonna call you names. Some people just like they they eat this stuff up. It's and again, this isn't stereotyping. This isn't calling names. This is often referred to as barbershop Twitter, where it's just a portion or barber. I'm sorry, barbershop life sports takes, where it's just a portion of people who get together and yell at each other and love to yell about these things. And listen, there there is a portion of sports fans that. This is meant for. This content is meant for them, and they consume this. And I'm not going to look at Skip Bayless's 2.3 million followers and say, oh, most of them got to be hate-following him. There are people who just don't know better. I didn't say most. A portion. 2.3 how million people is follow a Bill, lot. How many, how many people follow Bill Simmons? Less than, than follow uh, Skip, I would imagine, but I will look it up. Because I'll look it up. You, you, you. I already got it. It is... 5.43 million, and he is also a gas bag to extents. He's a more educated, but he, like, but, he get, but, but he isn't as powerful as Skip Bayless. Because Skip Bayless has what? How many, how many viewers? Uh, 2.3 million. Even though he has Great. double the followers, his own network. Sport. Where can you find Bill Simmons on television now? He had a television show that probably got he up, had yeah that uh, got canceled I, because it's dumb. So will this one because it gets 85,000 viewers. But here's the thing, too. I think it probably just goes beyond that. Skip Bayless is probably the highest paid non-former athlete in sports media right now. No? I, think, I think John Gruden's paid higher. Oh, wait, wait John, John Gruden was a coach. I apologize. Right, right. So of all like the people who are, it's like, why is this guy relevant? Why does his opinion matter? I think Skip probably makes about the most money of all these people, which, listen, I'm not here to defend Skip Bayless. I'm just saying that there is some... So you think Skip some, Bayless is the second most powerful man in sports? You really believe know. that? I don't know. I was disappointed to see. And you Skip think Stephen? Yeah, you think so. Th- when those two had first take together, and they were an average of nine million viewers a day, are the two most powerful people in, in sports? Think about that. I, they had a show together in sports media. In yeah, sports media, yeah. I think it's feasible. I think it's feasible because, again, I don't mean to make, make Twitter the end all be all or whatever. But you know, you you go into places. You are and they have, making Twitter the end all be all, and it's not. Just let me let me freaking talk. You go into places and they have TVs on in the morning, and they have on ESPN or they have on First Take. People watch it. People consume it. People hear what they have to say, and it gets people talking. It drives a conversation, even if it doesn't drive the conversation that you and I have, or even if. It, conversation that they're having we think is stupid which i'm gonna say i think it's stupid without saying i think people that buy into it are stupid i mean it drives conversation it again it's not meant for us it's meant for your normal people and your your everyday people who don't right but how is it i i asked you about twitter you're not answering the twitter part what what's your twitter part i said well how does this make them because they have high twitter followers because nobody's watching skip bayless's show or colin coward's show or radio program so how are they powerful just because of Twitter? That's why I'm asking you. 
I think it's a big part. I mean, yeah, that, that you're you're right in saying that people aren't watching Skip Bayless, but Skip Bayless's show is still new, and that, that's not me saying it's going to pick up more viewers. But he's still viewed as the first take yelling man, just like Stephen A. is. I mean, if you were to ask, I, I don't know, I don't want to do hypotheticals anymore. Or bring Max Kellerman into it. I I don't know how you come up with this. I just know that Skip Bayless is constantly being spoken about, and his takes are constantly being put out there when I'm not asking for them or looking for them. And I see his takes kind of forwarded more than I see a Bill Simmons takes forwarded. And even though I like to think I follow a lot of smart people on smart people on Twitter who think about sports and, and consume sports, I know that Skip Bayless is reaching more people than Bomani Jones is reaching, even though Bomani has a real message and Bomani's talking about real life things and isn't just Look, they're you know, com- the hot take police are coming to get you. Yeah. No, I this isn't a hot take. I, I see the validity. Joe, if it's not these guys, who's more powerful than them? Who has more of a reach than these guys? Not a reach, more powerful. That's the thing. Well, it's not reach, it's power. And Bill Simmons I mean, has more power. He has, he has, his, he has his very own network website. HBO caved, it failed, but HBO, HBO caved and it gave him his own television show. Do you think more people are familiar with The Ringer or Fox Sports 1? Wait, Fox Sports 1 or The Ringer? You're comparing yeah, a website to a, a television network. Yeah, that, because that, we're talking about awesome. reach. No, we're talking because about power. The thing is power, not reach. They're two different things. So so define for me what you think this power is and why you think these are the people that are being spoken of. People that are actually shaping the way sports conversations are going. And to be, to clarify something earlier, I didn't say people that watch First Take are dumb. I say the people that complain about First Take and then quote tweet First Take all the time are dumb. Okay. They're, that's a big distinction. You can like just sports debate and not be dumb. You're dumb if all you do is complain about sports take, or sports embrace take, whatever the fuck, or whatever it's called, and then quote tweet it all day. Like, if you're, if you like, that'd be like me complaining about you all day, but constantly quote tweeting you to get yeah. more attention. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, just, I, think it's, I, I think it's dumb. I, yeah. I'm with you, but I'm still not going to call people dumb. No, no, but, those, so people, those people are very dumb. And you, but you so, can watch first take and not be dumb. So um, what do you think distinguishes these people, then, as being the most powerful media people in sports? I think, listen, PTI is kind of antiquated, but they're more powerful still. They were they were up towards the top. Um, I would say Dan Lebertard. I think they made a good point about Dan Lebertard because Dan Lebertard helps younger people with outreach get it. Like Pablo Torres and Bonnie Jones when he first came back to ESPN. Um, I think actually somebody like Clay Travis should be higher, even though I don't like Clay at all. I thought both Clay and Bomani should have been higher. I don't like anything Clay does or says, but he probably has more power. Um, let me. I, I mean, I didn't give a deep dive. I, I was just throwing out because I'm saying the, though, who who's more powerful than those guys? If we're going to denounce them as the most powerful guys, who ha, who's more powerful? I would say Bill Simmons. I would say Dan Lebertard. I would say Clay Travis. I would say. But I'm sorry, just based on what, though, again, I know you're trying to explain this to me before. Based on what is Bill Simmons more powerful? His HBO show got canceled. His website's not Grantland with ESPN anymore. The Ringer is not as popular okay, but as you have, Okay, was. but nothing Skip Bayless does is popular. Outside his Twitter. That's, if you keep arguing popularity, nothing Skip Bayless does on TV is popular. Except First Take was the most popular but show. But he's not on First still, Take anymore. He's not on he's, First Take. And he's still he's not on it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's not. I, I mean, you can almost you can almost say though that like his style, him and Stephen A. Like that's almost why I feel it's okay that they're at the top. Well, then you can say Bill style, Simmons because of Grantland inspired the undefeated. But, 
But but Grantland wasn't anything though. Like people, I love Grantland. I don't want to do this and say smart people love Grantland, but like people who care more about thoughtful sports content love Grantland, and Grantland didn't make it. Except there's new debate shows constantly, and that's what Skip and is there a new a. debate? Or is there new debate shows constantly, or is it changing more into what Bomani Jones and Dan Levertard does? Because Fox Sports is the only one that keeps going in the debate direction, while more stuff like Dan Levertard stuff is getting pushed on ESPN. I don't get to watch a ton of it, but whenever I do get to tune into like a random ESPN show, like a Sports Nation, is almost similar to First Take, and that these guys are just standing behind a desk and screaming over dumb things, and their opinions are just not related to anything that's actually happening on a court. I, I think, obviously, we're seeing a change in sports media where they're realizing debate was kind of getting worn out, but I don't think it's dead yet, and I still think that fans, to extents wanted it and still want to consume it and still want to talk about these guys. I just, I don't like these guys being at the top of it and they're not influential to me. I just guess I understand it. Aside from thinking it's just, you know, the big lead sponsoring people that, that pay them, which is feasibly what it could be. It could just all be politics. Look at us. We, we, Stephen A and Skip Bayless, this topic. We did. I so disagree with you because you're basically just using Twitter followers while saying their viewership doesn't well, no, matter. I'm not, I'm not using Twitter followers because if you were to just do that, then Bill Simmons is more powerful than Skip because he has more followers. I just am seeing people, and again, I like to think that I mainly follow a lot of people. But you're just using Twitter. The all you're using part. is Twitter. Because you sure. can't use anything from Fox Sports because nobody watches it. Right. Right, sure, that's fine. I'm just using conversations that people have on, on social media. On social media, yeah. I mean, we don't. So do we want to bring Facebook up too? Because I see people talking about first take and Skip Bayless and stuff like that on Facebook too. Where I, don't I see talk about, about memes on Facebook. Right. I mean, I understand the validity. Sure, people aren't watching Fox Sports. Where was Rick Riley? Why wasn't he ranked in the top thirty? Where is Rick Riley? Where is Jay Mariotti? People Whoa. also aren't watching Bill Simmons' show, which is canceled. So I don't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't fight Bill Simmons being near the top of this list too. I just guess I understand why Screaming A and Skip are still considered some of the most powerful people in sports media. I couldn't disagree more. Awesome, good stuff. Uh, how are you feeling time wise right now, Joe? Do you wanna do you wanna do your corner or do you wanna save it for Monday? Oh, basketball corner. Yeah, <laughs> Joe. So I'm giving you two. So I'm giving you two minutes right now. The number one and the number two seed. No, in the no, country. I want to talk about Pitt. <laughs> Can I talk floor, about Pitt? The floor is yours, my friend. I I couldn't see this coming after your Kevin Stallings rant on Monday. Okay, so listen. Who is shocked that Pitt lost to fit by 55 points? You did Louisville? this on Monday. Oh, you, said, this one? you said who's shocked that Kevin Stallings <laughs> is mismanaging a team and that Pitt is the most disappointing team in the country? You did this. I'm turning into <laughs> Stephen A. Smith. You can't do this anymore. <laughs> no. Blake Griffin over Carmelo? Isn't that what he said the one time? You take, he did like the Matthew Berry, Stefania <laughs> Bell fake voice. Yeah, that's bad. Do anything but Kevin Stallings and Pitt, Joe. Talk about something that people are going to be like, I need to go back and listen to these guys talk about college basketball. Oh, man. Well, to listen, Josh Pastner at Georgia Tech. Did I do Josh Pastner or no? You didn't do Josh Pastner. All right, dude. So, like, he went from the narrative of the assistant coach who recruited really well is going to be an awesome head coach, gets a job really young at Memphis when Cal Perry left. Things went really well at Memphis the first two years. Then it turned out he wasn't really ready to be head coach. Everybody transferred out. Nobody developed underneath him. Then he got left Memphis as the narrative around him became, dude can't coach, dude can't, could recruit, but can't keep the players he recruits. 
goes to Georgia Tech, which is a horrible job, just horrible. It's like taking Boston College or, De- or DePaul at this point. Georgia Tech used to be a program people cared about, not anytime recently. And our own John Rothstein said they weren't going to win a single game of the ACC. And who did they beat on Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday night? The Florida State Seminoles, who went five Big and six. Win. It's a huge one. They're four and four in the ACC. Listen, they're not going to do anything this year. They're not going to NCAA tournament. Nothing. Four wins in the ACC with a poop roster. Josh Pastner, low key. Now he shouldn't get it. Should finish in like the top eight for coach of the years, national coach of the year voting. There you have it, Josh Pastner. Georgia Tech is a horrible roster. Horrible. Yeah. Like, I am telling you, it would finish fifth in the NEC. There you have it. No, they wouldn't. That's not true. Dude, their roster is so bad. Go through through it. Go through it, and then go through their recruiting rankings when they're coming out. They would win the NEC, Joe. Embrace (sighs) the bait, my friend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stony Brook's still killing it. Yeah, they are. Only That's one your loss boy. in conference. Only one loss yeah, in conference. They they really picked up steam since the America East uh, conference play started. I'm really glad that I give you a couple opportunities to talk about college basketball. D'Anthony Melton last night, Lonzo Ball stopper. Yeah, big things. Uh, Josh Jackson is a monster. Keep that in mind. I am surprised Kansas lost that game, but Josh Jackson balled out. Justin uh, Patton balled out, but Georgetown smoked Creighton. Yeah, we should just turn this into the the balled out segment. Where John, Georgetown get, needs to fire John Thompson the third too. Here's another well, not even a hot that, take. I wrote about this like four months ago. Let's end on that take. Go back into the archives and read Joe's stuff. Read all my have, takes. Ah, he doesn't. Royal does Rumble winner on Sunday. Who you got? Marty Janetti. Who? who <laughs> Woo! Me too. Good things. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and dealing with us screaming at each other for the last twenty <laughs> minutes and dealing with Joe talking about all the garbage Joe talked about tonight. But what? Uh, yeah. Good things. And who are you? you? Know who, what? Oh, God. Go ahead. Oh, I said, who are you? Who are you? You know who I am, and you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter, at jmintzhoops, as J-M-I-N-T-Z-H-O-O-P-S. Joe, I turn the table to you to try and spell your name. At <laughs> Joseph Bardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, I messed it up, and at fanrakesports.com. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Thanks. skiddle doo dop doo dop doo Woo, woo! All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hot takes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, no one's clicking, their pages are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world 